to be fair, this is going to be a low en- low energy. Yeah. Low, low energy. Because I woke up late. <laughs> yeah, I turned, Apparently I turned my alarm off. <laughs> I, d- I didn't even know I'd done it. I didn't even know I'd done it, mate. <laughs> Harrison opened the door and he's like, "You're early." I was like, "Nah, mate, I'm on time." He's like, "Oh fuck." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll start a podcast about RPGs in a minute. But can you play? So the other day after the game finished, Sean's not here, by the way, because he's got a real job where he looks after people with conditions. Welcome to the three voicemail service. Saved voice messages. Message from Sean. Um, <coughs> right, there's, um, it's funny, there's like some actual UFO actually going in out here. There's some red shit in the sky. And, uh, yeah, like, look outside... Um, yeah, like there's some UFO going in. Bye, bye. <laughs> the end. The end is quite good. So that well, might, uh, doesn't even end. Listen, it just goes on. You can just hear him walking. Oh, this also explains. Okay, so so he didn't even hang up. But this also explains because he. This was after the game on Thursday, and he was um he was drunk and he was walking home but he video called me and I didn't know why but I was walking home and I had to go for a piss at the garage and I actually answered it in my pocket when I got it out I could just see someone's face but he was obviously trying to show me the UFO activity <laughs> it's sad that we've got to a point now where I can't tell if Sean's being serious or not I know he says some red shit in the sky squarning fucking hell mate fucking Sean, hell sort your life out but yeah he's not here so let's start the podcast <laughs> Yeah, this is an, an RPG show all about tabletop RPGs. You're listening to the 3T RPG podcast. My name's Harrison Hunt. With me, I've got the big boy. James Clark, what's up? How's it going? How's it hanging, fellas? How's it going? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, today we've got feedback. We've got news punch. We've got what the fuck are you doing? And then we've got the main subject. We're going to talk about maps and minis. Mm, maps Lazy. and minis. It's going to be an amazing modcast. And then we've got some Jim Bim Salabim. I've done an item for a change, <laughs> uh, followed by Electro Letters. And if you don't know what Jim Bim Salabim is, well, get ready for disappointment. Yeah, get ready for absolute disappointment. The feedback side. The feedback side. Yes. So we had a lot of, uh, a lot of feedback. Um, and the first one comes in from Captain Smuggles. Uh, so last Cute episode, name. Yeah, he's, he's, he's very, but sadly... Not a cute person. And in prison because he smuggles stuff. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so he um, essentially was talking about Sean's debut as a main subject doer because Sean was in charge of the main subject last episode. And he says, congratulations to Sean on the debut. I was laughing the whole show. My question is in... It, my question... Is the incessant torture of a man while he presents the main subject just a hazing ritual that he has now emerged from like a newborn calf, or will this be the new tone of the show going forward until such time he has a violent episode on air? Either outcome works for me, so keep it up. Well, some people some people think we bully Sean. I mean, we don't, but we don't. But if we did, if we he did, he deserves it. Is that right? Yeah, it is. Like, but actually, I think. Um, I think shut the fuck up. If we bully Sean, what the fuck has he got to do with you? Yeah, exactly. He's <laughs> our gimp. <laughs> yeah. 
The Buttman, he says, listening to the Adam Coble episode, all things considered, good job, Sean. I thought as it started that this would be a multi-part episode, but then saw it was only 90 minutes and realised that at some point they will let him speak. <laughs> yeah, that was, it was a little bit, it was a little bit um, out of order. You know, he kept trying to start. I was like, so what about crop circles? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor yeah. guy, poor guy. Um, no, we probably won't continue hazing him. He's here, but it was quite fun to do so. So I don't know. The trouble is, what I've noticed whenever, and I can't control it, but whenever we have a guest on and it's not my turn to do the main subject I kind of feel like it's a bit of a holiday and I, I'm yeah, an idiot yeah exactly it's the same just, with Owen on his episode when he was trying to talk about Deadlands and I kept on talking about skeletons the whole time but it's also the same in person because like when Sean when Sean was GM in our last game we'd just be like yeah what's your your move GM yeah I'm <laughs> I would do something crazy and they'd be like your move GM <laughs> but it's now got to the point where I think that attitude has spilled over a little bit into into my game oh mate sean does it hard back now so uh i sort of deserve taste it. your own medicine uh, yeah yeah I, I do deserve it but still anyway it's like my dark gritty cyberpunk campaign yes mate it's getting a bit silly but yeah cj the big boy he says regarding dungeon world the co-creator sage latora does not seem to be a gaslighting creep the concept of fronts in the gm section of the book pairs well with the lazy dm approach i've run dungeon world a half dozen times and really enjoy it but i'm no longer doing demos for it due to the association with cobol so yeah fair enough right but I, I, this is probably a much bigger question than we have time for but how how much do you think you can separate if you found out say for example let, not even related to rpgs let's say for example you were a big lost profits fan oh god right do you know is, is there a point where you can disassociate the person from their music because you're also quite a big michael jackson fan right i enjoyed michael jackson songs so, but so do i yeah i do think to an extent like you know i feel like it, it, it michael jackson to an extent was a genius let him have a couple yeah, you know, yeah. Just, even though he's a really bad person, right? Exactly. I mean, it's it's. I think it's one of those things where it's just time based. Like you're going to feel uneasy, you know. Like say when the lost profits thing happened, it's not like I was an avid like listener, listen to them every day. But it was kind of like you know they'd come on, you just turn it off straight away because because of the association. I can't factor. not think about it. Yeah. yeah. But now, like I think if a song came on randomly, you'd be like, oh yeah, I remember like I enjoyed this song like once before, so it's okay. But they did have one really good tune, and I've tried to listen to it recently, but it's just like yeah, yeah I don't know, it's just like because it's the extent. You know, Michael Jackson, at least it wasn't like a bait. No, we can't, no, right? <laughs> but here's the thing. We know somebody that was a huge Lost Profits fan and was thinking about getting a tattoo of them, so I'm pretty glad that he didn't. Oh, yeah. But that incident sort of, it did cement that I should never, ever get. Because my, probably my favourite band ever is probably Ramstein, right? But I don't think I could ever get a Ramstein tattoo because even if in the future, now we're at the point where even if they're dead 40 years later, we could find out. Yeah. Yeah, true. Uh-oh. Yeah, that's that's true. But it's uh, I don't know. Adam Coble is is an arse, but Dungeon World, from all accounts, is quite a good game. So maybe yeah. just forget about it. I've got stuff on my shelf from people that I think are pretty shit people. Is that my cat? Yeah. No, that's a child outside. <laughs> that's a kid outside. My cat's just sitting in the hallway, perfectly chill, but I can hear. <laughs> yeah, we thought he was trying to get in. It's either that or a, a hideous bird. But yeah, I don't know. Play Dungeon World if you like it. I mean, he wrote it ages ago, and it's not like he's making any profit. Actually, is he making profit off it now? 
He probably he? is. Don't buy it. Yeah. yeah. Stop <laughs> buying it. Stop buying it. Beat it. Actually, <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's it. That's, we should just end the episode there. That was the, that was the closest thing <laughs> approaching a joke we've ever done. <laughs> D&D 6th edition coming, but it's not 6th edition. What? So, recently, right, there was this uh, thing called the D&D Celebration 2021. Alright, what's that? It sounds nice. It sounds nice, but actually, it's very racist. Was it? Is it? No. Oh. Um, it's, it's literally <laughs> just like a sort of panel with all the D&D, current D&D bods, um, like the people that work at Wizards of the Coast. Was it a money-grabbing scheme, or was it... Well, I mean, actually... almost certainly. Almost certainly. But it's it's basically them announcing new products for like okay. Magic the Gathering, D&D, and shit like this. Anyway, they revealed that the 5th edition core D&D rulebooks are going to get upgraded as part of the 50th anniversary celebrations for D&D. This means that the Player's Handbook, DM Guide and Monster Manual uh, will get new updated versions in 2024. It's quite a while away. So, Wizards of the Coast, they basically said that the new shit is going to be compatible with all the old shit and will basically serve as a reprint with some updates rather than a full new version of the game. Now... This is really boring, but there are some rumours about it that are kind of funny that I think are worth speaking about. So, the main one is that... uh, that, uh, Now, bear in mind, these are just rumours. I couldn't actually find any way of confirming it, although certain people have said that it's definitely happening. But the main one is that they're removing racial bonuses entirely, completely. So, instead, what will happen is it will say, generally, dwarves are short and fat. However, right. you know, do what you want with it. And instead of saying, you know, all dwarves get plus two to constitution, it'll be like, you have a plus two, stick it in whatever stat you like. What's interesting about this is it says, you know, they tend towards a certain build. So you could be a really tall gnome. You could. You could really tall and slender gnome. Or a short, fat, ugly elf. Mate, I'd love to see one of them. The idea of playing a seven foot gnome just amuses me. <laughs> to like no end because I imagine his, his legs his tiny legs will still be really tiny but he's what, just, so his just the torso is like really long imagine he's still got small arms as well <laughs> <laughs> like the penalties still apply like he can't use two handed weapons because he's just got look. but he could he can use two he can use a one handed weapon but it would never reach because he's too high above them <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly exactly <laughs> So, I don't know. I, I, I think it's kind of a stupid, meaningless change. I do get why they've done it, because of mounting pressure from people. But, you know, uh, it's, it's, I don't think... I, I think it's fine. I think it's fine, because it's their game. They can do what they want with it. If you want to play D&D, just play the old version. But the thing about it is, is that, like, the removal of those bonuses... But let's just bear in mind, right... It's not racist, because no, they're not real races. They're still fantasy. That's it, the whole point in it. They're literal creatures. They're things that live in your front garden and are made of ceramic. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, I, I, th- I think it's kind of silly. And it's not as if they're going, you know, like black people or worse at this. Or no, no, not at it's, all. It's a gnome, mate. So they're little men that live in caves with tiny arms. Don't worry about it. Actually, uh, I think I might have said this on the podcast. Funny story, I used to work with a woman who was like the most racist and most judgmental, horrible person ever. <laughs> and um, she, 
used to she she used to oh, I hate midgets. Oh, I can't stand midgets. Oh, they scare me and stuff like this. And she was watching. <laughs> so I know it's awful. And she was uh, watching a program about. And they're called, yeah, you're supposed to call them dwarves now, right? But she was watching a program about some dwarves and she was just like, oh, I watched it last night, it freaked the fuck out of me. And uh, and she was like, it's a program all about gnomes. Oh, no. Right? Oh, and I no. said, Lisa, they're not called gnomes. And she went, oh, sorry, gnome people then. Doing- <laughs> <laughs> oh, my Fucking God. Fucking funny, man. Wow, uneducated. Yes, she was an idiot. Um, but mm. yeah, so gnomes, that's what we call them now. But yeah, so so that is about it. Another rumor about this is a sixth edition, not called sixth edition, is that more class options from Splat Books. So there's one called Xanathar's Guide to Everything, which is where you know, remember when we played D and D, uh, and mm. one of the players who used the samurai class, for example. Oh yeah, it, yeah, it was in that book. That's but, that's pretty cool. But. Well, another rumor is that things like that are going to now be sort of standard. So a lot more class options are going to be within the player's handbook. So negating the need for like three, four books. I mean, that, that is cool, but it's kind of, yeah, I feel like all these changes are definitely unneeded because all of that is available right now. Well, yeah, exactly. And I, But I also think that what they're going to do is sort of try to neaten it up and, and iron out the things that are, are perceived as being controversial. So it's roughly going to stay the same rules-wise, but yeah. it's going to be like, well... I don't like how... Um, I mean, I, we get it, and probably everyone listening gets it, but I don't personally like how they're sort of pandering to the movement. Well, you, you see in in the new editions as well, they've been doing it more and more over the years, and I think that actually it's really only served to make the game more bland do you know what yeah. i mean it's not it's not as if it's it's like a, a necessarily a huge change that because you know we played games where you can play orcs and that's something a lot of people sort of push back against because orcs are like the representation of evil basically because yeah. i like um sort of the message that be, can be portrayed within games where there is a divide like if you've got the orcs that are attacking you you're going to be scared of them you're going to act in that way but like it can for, for say like kids and that it can teach them life lessons yeah. About like all right, about so, orcs coming, yeah, exactly. Out women. So they know they know how to like get around the the seven foot gnomes and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's it's funny because like um yeah, I I agree. I think having that stuff in a game it does allow you to actually put a message in there because yeah. orcs, if you actually trace back the history, they're not a representation of foreigners. It's mo- mainly of the concept of evil. And think about the descriptions there now at the table. It'll be like, oh yeah, the orcs are mostly green. Um, they look quite angry, possibly maybe. Um, they <laughs> yeah. kind of sort of-ish represent evil, but maybe not too as They're well. ransacking your town, setting people on fire, raping the women, right? But one of them, he's got this far away look in his eye, like he doesn't really want to be doing he's it. He's got a bow tie on and a little uh, smile. I shall rape the woman. <laughs> but the um, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, do, I think like dumbing it down in this way, it is. It means that eventually everything's going to have no nuance, and everyone's yeah. just treated the same way. I mean, we want somebody once said, and I think this is a bit, a bit of an overstatement, but somebody once said about our actual plays that during the DCC one, a lot of times you would be faced with an enemy like that who's clearly supposed to be evil, who's an arsehole, but yeah. you guys, because knowing you couldn't fight them, would sit and talk to them. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's like, maybe things like that, maybe if they're attacking your village, that's maybe a chance to find out why. And it'll, if you're playing with kids, maybe it's a point where you can go... Look, yeah. maybe not every uh, every story is as simple as it seems. Maybe they're doing it because they're desperate, etc., etc. But there we go. But now it's just it's just going to be this huge melting pot. I mean, I played a game once at a local store where every single race was a playable race, 
And it got to the point where it was just like everyone we meet, there's no delineation now. Nothing's a monster because no. everything's a playable race. So it's like we see a bunch of goblins, right? It's, it's clear in any game that they're evil. They yep. they like raping, they like killing, they like shooting. But it's like now we, we go up to them and they're like, and the DM's like, whoa, 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 hang on. These people have a family, and I'm like, for fuck, can we just kill some baddies, please? Yeah, that's like, that's part of the uh, aim of the game. That's what D&D's about, you know, it's about killing. Maiming, killing, raping, shooting. (laughs) All right, well, that is it for new sixth edition coming in two years. Wait, three? Three years. Fucking three years for that. There was some more news as well, actually, that a uh, Cowboy Bebop official role-playing game is coming out. But honestly, it's just it's basically a non-news. It's that it's been announced that a company called Don't Panic Games, I think they're called, is taking it. Uh, there is already a version of it um, that exists, but not by the company because there's like you know fan-made RPGs. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, fan- that's existed for years now. But for copyright reasons, it's called. B-boy cow bop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, they, I mean, the thing the thing about it is that it's just, to me, it's a bit of a, it's a bit non, the, the company making it are responsible for the Naruto board game, so I don't even know if they have any. Sean will, Sean will get it. Yeah, <laughs> Sean's got two copies of the Naruto board game. <laughs> but yeah, so, well, more, more, more news when we hear more about that, but that's it for news this time. Mm. Should we go on to what the fuck we've been doing? Oh, I think so, actually. <laughs> yeah! Yeah. What you slaying? So Cyberpunk Red. We've been playing the jizz out of that. Oh man, it's so good. I'm I'm enjoying the hell out of it. So so the um this is the latest version of the Cyberpunk role playing game and we are playing a um, a story where the characters in it um, own a pirate radio station called Slash FM 420.69, or the other way around, I can't remember. But <laughs> essentially, the storyline is that they've come across a briefcase full of some sensitive documents, and they realise that they can make millions if they sell it on the black market. So we've had a session where the guys had to build up their rep so that a uh, fence would want to work with them and therefore sell these sensitive documents and they did it by putting on a gig and then had to go and meet them at a um at a motel somewhere outside of town well funny enough one of the characters who's a med tech who's a failed doctor who got addicted to blue glass yeah he went to go and scope out the location before the meeting and saw um an arasaka guy and a mech so this is one of the big corporations that's also after these documents they were getting ready to do an ambush so these guys basically preempted the ambush fought in the parking lot and it was a pretty deadly fight it was pretty mad um but also there was like a couple sort of storylines intertwining together because i'm an exec and i've been put in charge of uh, my boss's son and i had to sort of uh, cart him around and make sure that he enjoyed himself at a place called Elfcon because he's a nerd and um yeah because essentially he was coming to visit his mum which is the ceo of james's company yeah uh, the holloway firm and she just wanted she was just like he's such a fucking needy kid can you just keep him out of my hair he wants to go to this fucking con with a bunch of cunts yeah and I'm already in her debt so I really needed to do it because I am I had to be a suck up but the first day of the con was starting around the time they had the meeting so yeah. 
James uh, and also a kidnapping attempt occurred with the son. They were trying to kidnap him and ransom him. So James was in an AV, which is a flying car, trying to fight off a bunch of road gangers that were trying to kidnap the son. Yeah, I pretended to him that it was a LARP and I put this on this show on for him. Yeah, so that yeah. I'd get like some points like with him and he actually uh, believed it and enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. So um, and uh, eventually, yeah, you fought off the road gangers, then tried to... Uh, drive the AV to the um, to the motel so you yeah. can help out the rest. So these two storylines converged at once and the two people they were there to meet. So it was a fixer by the name of Gandalf the White and a um, fence called Black Rose. So this, this was kind of like a three-way fight where we had the road gangers, the um, contacts, the Arasaka guys all in this parking lot fighting each other. Yeah, it was pretty mad. It, it got pretty stupid as well because essentially one of the the, the homeless guy that was scoping out the uh, <laughs> the motel beforehand, his tactic was to sneak up behind the mech, then jump in aside the guy who was piloting it. <laughs> yeah, he jumped into the mech, and they were having a, f- a firefight, like literally, you could call it less than point blank, because they were like in the same seat, sort of wrestling each other and trying to shoot each other. And it was insane. And the guy put a gun to uh, the player's, uh, the character's name was Dregal. And this Arasaka guy put a handgun to his face, shot his jaw off, and it was just hanging loose, which he duct taped together as a quick fix. (laughs) And then once this fight was over, Dregal tried to pilot the mech and was trying to help Black Rose out, who was in the middle of a firefight. Accidentally yeeted her across the car park and she hit into some bins, breaking her ribs. Um, so it was pretty mental, but eventually they did fight off the Arasaka guys and they pissed off the contact. Now, here's the thing. The briefcase full of documents, they buried it somewhere outside of town in the desert, right? Yeah. And they put a tracking device in it so that once they were within a mile, they would know that they, they were in the right location. And the big sort of fuck-up occurred really because... The team had failed to actually check the briefcase for trackers in the first place. And, of course, Biotechnica, the company that they belonged to, just came along and and took it while they were gone. So they put on all this effort to find this fence and they get onto the desert and the session ends with a huge argument. And she's like, you guys are so fucking unprofessional. I'll tell you what, we are all of our hearts sank at the table. We were like, for fuck's sake. And she's talking to Gandalf, the guy that set up the meeting. And she's just like... Are you fucking serious? These guys are fucking amateurs. Don't ever speak to me again. Sort of walks off in a half. Yeah, so we basically had to plead to um, try and get her back on our side and be like, look, we'll find it. And she said, yeah, you fucking better because now we owe her a cut of it. Um, it's to- probably going to be a higher cut too. <laughs> yeah. And so um, then a, a chase scene ensued in the next session with the one that we played. Um- yeah, because what the guys did, they wanted to relocate the goods, right? And they knew that it had a tracker on it. So they spent the night flying around uh, in the AV that James, your character, borrowed from your company. They were flying around trying to see if they could pick up the signal. Now, what was interesting is that in the previous fight, the car had gone down to four structural damage points. So it was fucked. It was like smoking. It was barely even alive. It was only just working. And they're just driving it around. And suddenly they see out of the Biotechnica building a armoured truck leaps out and suddenly the tracker goes mental and it's driving yeah, it's uh, absolutely bombing it through the town going going on the interstate and so yeah chase chase scene ensues and eventually they do enough damage to the armored truck that they get it to stop they land the av they all get out on this you know uh, raised highway and everyone's being really cautious one guy gets up to the side of the van just sort of sneaks around to the front 
um, and goes to peek into the window. Another guy opens the back door and sees the briefcase in there, snatches it up. Just as he does so, he hears this, like it's attached to like a wire or something, yep. followed by a ticking. Then the guy who's going around the side looks in through the window, sees that nobody's driving the car. It was an AI-powered car. Yep. And they realise that they've just set a bomb off and that this was a trap to try and try and uh, fuck them over. Uh, one character died. Most of the characters um, received injuries. Oh, uh, yeah, we all got critical injuries. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty fucked. But it was funny because one of the players told me afterwards. He was like, "I had a, I had such a massive feeling that that it was a fake and it was a decoy." And he was like, "But I just didn't say anything. I wish I'd have just listened to my fucking gut." Ah, uh, because we try. Um, some people are more fond of uh, more familiar with the setting and stuff. So we're trying not to have any sort of meta gaming at the table. Mm. So everyone's holding their tongue and stuff and just enjoying the story, which is quite nice. But def- definitely I understand that, that kind of situation. We're just like, it's not meta. It's just like, maybe it's a trap, guys. We should probably think of a different way around it. And then, yeah, probably yeah, would have I mean, been good. You, even though you would necessarily kind of be trying to predict where I'm, you know, what I've done, I think that's fine because you guys are edge runners, you know, you're like... Yeah crazy motherfuckers so it's like you you do these missions all the time i think it's completely fair to use that knowledge but it was uh it was also the rocker boy who picked up the the briefcase which is a class of uh, musician in uh cyberpunk and he is the stupidest out of everyone so yep. it sort of sort of made it was just it was my brother playing as well and he just he, he literally just i said you see the briefcase is pristine it's on a plinth it's almost lit up for you i was trying to make it kind of obvious and he just went well i'll pick up the briefcase and i'm like all right well you've said it now so that's what's <laughs> and i was like right everyone see if you could dive out of the way as this fucking thing explodes it was funny because sean didn't realize what had happened as well and i, I said you pick it up and it's like <laughs> And you realise it's attached to a wire. And he's like, yeah, I'll try and open it. And Every, like, everyone at the table just sort of, their faces dropped. And then, but Sean was just like, looked really pleased with himself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh. But yeah, uh, long, long story short is that uh, eventually <laughs> this is kind of, uh, I can't remember how you guys found out the information, but you found out that... Biotechnica had done the decoy. Uh, we we hacked the AI of the truck and then managed to see some uh, information in the background to give us yeah some. Clues. That was right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you took out the CPU, hacked it, and saw some information. Figured out that the Biotechnica Corporation that was the decoy. They were moving the real package, um, and it was being heavily guarded. And they were moving it on a train. Yeah. A, yeah. a, a train that the I can't remember what you would call it like a train. It's not Atlantic, is it? Whatever trans ocean train that that is going from Night City to Japan on this you know railway that goes over the ocean, and it was going to be heavily guarded. So what the guys then did, and this is genius, is they all applied for jobs at the train company. Yeah, <laughs> and and uh, were working at the train station that day, checking tickets, doing security checks, things like this. And, uh, yeah, they decided to try and snatch up the documents. And one of them nicked the documents, ran outside, jumped into a taxi. He fumbled quite badly as well. So um, I ended up jumping on the, who seemed to be the leader of yeah, the so opposing group. As soon as they yeah, they realised that he'd taken the case and he was just running. like Because what they did, the guy had it obviously chained to his wrist. But Sean's character shot uh, the briefcase off his wrist, nicked it, then legged it up the stairs. And 
as he was running, you know, he's fumbling up the stairs and they saw him going. So James, your character has a brilliant last ditch attempt. <laughs> saw the leader was like, go, that, get that fucking guy. And you just rugby tackled him to the floor as a distraction. But, and I think this was completely fair, the other three guards, one of which was a huge fucking cyborg guy, all turned their guns on you because yeah. you pinned the boss and they killed your character. Yeah, I was well dead. It chewed you the fuck up. So where we left the game, well, what was funny about it was that I thought it was kind of a cool um, place to end it. It was mid-combat, but it was a cool place to end it where Sledge had, the rocker boy, had run out of the station with the fucking briefcase and jumped oh, yeah. into the cab. But it was hot midway through a combat round. So you said to me, you were like, look, I, I want to do my turn. I'm all right. Okay, let's you well, let's finish the combat round and we'll end it there. <laughs> so you rugby tackled him, got killed. And I was like, okay, right, let's end the game there. <laughs> yeah. One of the other characters was like, one of the other players was like, I bet you didn't wish you didn't ask that now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, nah, mate, nah, it had to happen. It was fucking sad though. Two deaths. I, I really liked your character. But yeah, we had two deaths in one session. So yeah, it was... It, finally the game got to the point where it shows how brutal it is it can really turn on a dime in that game if you mm. if you get if you're in a bad position strategically that's why i said at the beginning you know always use cover but it's the biggest thing in this fucking game that can protect yeah. you and also it's like planning is is everything as well but see we were up against it because i owed like a 25k or more but now i suppose my debt's gone because i'm dead yeah he owned 25k to his company and they needed to pay it back within two days so time like I even said at one point, you guys should stop and heal up. But you were like, no, we can't. We can't. Yeah, the longer, we can't. If we heal, because you have to actually spend two at 24 hours resting, the longer we spend healing, the longer we have to... They're getting away with the fucking goods, right? Yeah. So that's where we're at. I mean, it, it's pretty nuts because it's got quite big after only five episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, it's a big deal now. I mean, it's, it's, it's fucking awesome. Man. So I don't know where it's going to go next game, but they're currently, yeah, one of them's in the cab with the with the goods. Um, the other the other single remaining character was trying to scramble up the stairs but failed, so he's still in the train station. So we're going to have to start mid-combat next game, but it was fucking fun. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at with Cyberpunk Red. Um, and enjoying the enjoying the balls off of it. Um, uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. I'm just uh, I think it kind of gutted that the two characters died because I think they were very good and you were playing an exec very well. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. But you're going to take up a, an exec for your next character and be your old character's boss. Yep. Because the son that he was looking after got damaged, you know, but clearly because he was hanging out with the player character. Oh, we embedded a brain dance into his head just so it would allow him to believe that we saved him from um, something that happened. Where in actual fact, we put him put in him a position. In danger, yeah, yeah. So, so we they hacked his neuralware and made and implanted a memory in it. And he's yeah. like, he, he's like, mother, those people saved me. It was yeah, raw. So it was it was like one sort of smart thing that we did beforehand. <laughs> the one smart thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's it, I'm enjoying that. I join the hell out of it. And so hopefully next game so the funny thing is that um the the guy that died he's going to play the cab driver um, yeah that sledge just got into his taxi yeah um, so ryan ryan's character died it was dr eagle dregal yeah yeah so so he's he's died and and so this cab driver is now going to be sort of caught up in the whole thing yeah because we've kind of like um bossed him around and he's he's uh he's he's like a returning um, we're we're his returning client, so he knows us. Yeah, and he is going to be a nomad. So nomads are like 
tribes of Mad Max type people that live outside of cities and the story behind this particular taxi driver is that in the distant future there's a war between uh, nomad taxi drivers and the Uber <laughs> Corporation. Yeah. So that, that's how he's going to fit in. And it's basically these edge runners have just got into his car. They've got um, something, their previous clients, so they can trust this guy. And now he's going to be their driver. So a bit mental, but I think it's actually a really cool way for a character to be introduced into the plot. So it's pretty awesome. And I get to revive an old character of mine by playing my boss. Yeah. Which is pretty great. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it for Cyberpunk Red. However, um, I've been on a been on a bit of buying spree recently. Oh dear. Um, yeah, and I, I've I've picked up a couple of things from Drive Through RPG that I just wanted to mention because I've had had a little bit of a uh, little bit of a want to run some sort of historical type game recently. So I picked up uh, a couple of RPGs. Uh, first of all, Wolves of God. Nice. Now, I want to do a review on this because it's set in something like. 50 what is it a uh, ad 50 yeah that's it right 500 ad so it's a very early um historical game set in england now the front of the book claims that the book is a translation of a rpg played by monks at the time is that the one with the blurry image it no 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 we'll get to that we'll get to that <laughs> But so, but I don't know if that's true, and it probably isn't, and it's probably just flavour text. But it looks like a very good game. Um, It'll be a good one to review in that case. Yeah, exactly. Because I wanted to do an episode on it called "The RPG That Predates the RPG That Predates D and D." Yes. <laughs> but that's only if it's true. But yeah, it looks like a decent game. It's an OSR type ish one, and uh, it's got great art, great presentation. Um, well worth a, a looking because it, the it's got quite a lot of interesting information in it too. But the one thing, the one crime it commits is there's no fucking character sheet in it. What? So it says to you know record your character's stats, but you're just going to write it on lined paper, I guess. Oh man, I've got. I know it's very shallow, but I've got to be honest. As soon as I read that, I was sort of like, I don't know if I want to play that now. <laughs> so <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have bought. Maybe sheet. I shouldn't have bought three copies of it. You fucking, you fucking. Look, there it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, it looks pretty. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, fuck. I thought because I'll get one table coffee, then another one. Um, but in addition to that, yeah, I bought Pendragon, 5th edition. So Pendragon is, as many people may know, Arthur's surname, King Arthur. So it's not necessarily historical, but then the King Arthur myth is kind of historical fiction. Um What's kind of cool about this game is it's very much a simulation-y game of what it's like to live at those times, and um, it, it, that that's kind of the essence of it. And it's kind of cool because what it does is there's a supplement for it, which is called the Great Pendragon Campaign. And this was kind of the main reason I bought it, because it's a campaign book, but it doesn't say, here's episode one, here's what happens. All it does is give a week-by-week breakdown of like a hundred-year period of what happens so when i when we start in the next session there's certain rumors that have happened the war has gone in a certain direction oh. certain people have died but it doesn't give you necessarily a mission it just says here's what's happened and that may affect the things that your party are doing kind of thing that's quite interesting yeah i like i like that a lot because as somebody that i think the big risk you run when running long campaign books is that stuff will massively change and it'll fuck up further episodes of it so i actually think this is a really clever way of doing it but yeah that 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 is pretty much it for what i bought recently and it it looks like a great game all, all things 
considered. Um, it's it's also quite an old game and it hasn't it's barely been updated. Uh, the fifth edition is just like clarification and things like this, so I'm sure it's probably quite good. But the funny thing is, is that we got a contender for worst artwork going on here. I'm going to go and get the book because I think it's important. So there's a lot of supplements for Ben Dragon, and they're just called like the Book of Uther, for example, which is King Arthur's dad, I think, uh, or the Book of Squires. And I've got this one here, the Book of Armies. Now. <laughs> I've got right the the artwork on the cover is sort of very very early Saxon art like real art right yeah but it looks like it's drawn like by a, a sub 10 year old it's really wonky right and I know right I know it was like over a thousand years ago but you know Saxons make an effort but I think this is great because this is the one time this is going to be nominated for worst artwork definitely and this is the one time where a piece of ancient historical art could possibly win a prize for being shit <laughs> so that's good yeah but listeners go on DTRPG and look up Book of Armies and look at the cover because it is laughably bad and obviously the image is quite low quality as well so it's, yeah, it's like a low really quality blurry. image and it looks like it's, it's a low quality blurred. image badly painted yeah all right well that is it for what we've been slaying um what the fuck we've been doing exactly cyberpunk red pen dragon wolves of god check them all out gnomes gnomes seven foot gnomes no money no problem no i'll get out yeah well uh right main subject magic main subject tokyo main subject Chatty. Let's be honest, you chatty motherfuckers. This is like everyone everyone wants to play with like full terrain. Full miniatures. Yeah. But it's often like not it's just not it's not practical most of the time. This is why you'll notice that a lot of people that, that focus on crafting a lot for, for games tend to be the people that play, you know, once every couple of months and things yeah. like this. And also they tend to be ones that perhaps are bring our GMs and bring a one-shot to conventions for that yeah, exactly. sole I mean, purpose. For example, Eric Lamoureux, creator of Wise Guys, very good crafter. And yeah, he, he, he works all year round for his convention games to build this shit. And let's be honest, that's what we that's the ideal, right? People yeah. that say, we're going to be talking about maps and minis today, basically. And this isn't going to be the old debate of uh, terrain versus theatre of the mind, because we all know which is better. The theatre of the mind guys... You're kidding yourselves. Players love minis, players love maps, they love terrain. And today we're going to kind of talk about, you know, the best, easiest ways to do it, um, cheap ways to do it, and the most ideal ways to have maps and minis at the table for the sake of ease. <laughs> does that sound good, James? It does, it does. So the traditional way, I would say, we're going to talk about first is buying minis, painting them, and then maybe buying the you know flat maps yeah. that you can get. Buying the flat maps or getting some uh, gridded paper and drawing out and some. And drawing out maps. Mm. That's that's probably the most common way that maps and minis occur at the table. And they, the, good, the thing, the reason you want them at the table, I would say, is for tactical reasons. You don't need to describe where everyone's going. Also, it looks cool. It keeps people's attention. And buying minis, painting them, and buying these maps can be a good way of doing things. 
Yeah, it can also help with the player investment. Like they'll be a bit more attached to their character and therefore play better with them. Um, they'll get a bit more of a background involved because they've you know spent time painting it. So there's more dedication to absolutely. Their I mean, character it, it, and stuff. Yeah, if you've sat down painting your mini for three hours because you know we're kind of shit painters. The few times it takes that we've, us fucking ages. Yeah, it does take forever. But it's like the only trouble with this is it's expensive. Right? And also like there's time and we're obviously all separate households and different li- separate lives so it's difficult for us to, we, we've we done it a few times got together and done a painting sesh but we haven't in years now no no you're right you're right and the thing is even when I was right into my painting and stuff like this it, t- it just took so long like, yeah. especially if I was I mean, the idea really is you build up a collection and then eventually you get to a point where you don't need to really paint so often. But during the D&D campaign, I was fucking painting and crafting so often. I don't, I barely did anything else. I oh, know. You come like to the table and then you'd be, have like uh, paint marks and cuts on your fingers and shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic. But think about this. Yeah, this method obviously is probably, probably the, you know, most common way of doing it. Terrain being something that's really a luxury. But the trouble is, is, as I said, it's expensive, right? If you want to buy, say, for example, a pack of miniatures, you, you usually get like... I mean, put it this way. In the D&D campaign, I needed... Um, what are those frog things called? Oh. Frog things... Kuatoas, I think they're called. I can't remember, but it doesn't matter. But anyway, I needed frog, frog guy miniatures. And you can only buy them in packs of three for about a tenner, Right. Well, if you want an encounter that's got six, well, that's 20 quid right there, yeah. right? And let alone player character minis as well, five or each for one. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, if you want some uh, good casting and stuff, you want to go for a bit more expensive yeah. ones. Reaper Bones, the plastic ones are decent. The metal ones as well cost even more. And I think that's my main gripe with that type of minis. They're, they're just too expensive. And often I try and find trick ways of sort of buying loads at once. Buying the D&D board games is a good idea. Yeah. Um, the uh, Which is pretty much how I amassed most of my miniature collection. And then eventually got rid of them because I had a baby and now I don't have any room in my house. But the um, yeah, I, that, that's my main problem. And also the maps as well, right? Buying those big, lovely maps. They're about a tenner for a double-sided one, right? They're nice. But are you really going to use them more than once with the same group? At least not for like years apart, right? Yeah, and they're quite um, encumbersome, like because some of them, like the um, oh fuck, the who, who, I can't remember. My brain's gone dumb. What? Pathfinder, who made that again? Paizo. Paizo. Sorry, thank you for the Paizo maps. They're really, really awesome and well good, but they're folding ones. So if you don't use them that often, when you've laid them out on a table, you always have to like put bricks down on each corner to make sure it stays. Flat. I've got to be honest. Like it's, as nice as they are, right? It's because of that laminate that's on them. And like you said, they yeah they stick up. So minis fall down. They're sticking up, and you want to you and yeah, people have to put shit on the map. It's like oh yeah, I move towards the giant beer can. Yeah, I moved towards the R spillage. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 like I said, you you don't get as much use out of them as you should. I mean, the, the probably the ones I get the most use out of are my ETU maps because they're just sort of a modern city and yeah. things like this, and I, I get a lot of use out of those. But yeah, I I think basically what I'm trying to say is this traditional way of like painting minis, having buying those types of map, making terrain. It's good, and it's ideal, and it's what we all want to do. However, it's very costly, and I don't think really worth the money, really. 
to be perfectly honest. Yeah, if you if you're playing if you're frequently, just, yeah, if you're just a fantasy guy, maybe it's worth doing. Yeah, but another and that's another problem I have with it is that like, okay, so the, let's talk the main represented genres in minis that you can buy, you know, pre-made ones, fantasy, sci-fi, sometimes western, sometimes modern. Right, yeah, that's it. that's it. What if you're playing? I mean, Call of Cthulhu, for example. You can get some decent investigator minis out there, but the selection is pretty crap. Um, if you're playing fucking, I don't know, post-apocalyptic. Again, it's like something that's not quite as well represented as um, fantasy. Yeah, they mostly just look like army dudes, really, as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And one of my, and as a result, like I think that this is something I've moved on from a little bit. I mean, it's also due to space. That's another fucking point. Is it? Do, do you remember the amount of? I sometimes was like, I had three bags uh, to the D and D. There session. was actually a little time where Harrison had so much stuff he'd he'd travel a suitcase to mine, but oh, now yeah, to about store everything. It was literally everything. But it, the suitcase was was purposefully packed for each session. Yeah, that's so, the thing. It wasn't even all my fucking minis. No, he didn't just bring the suitcase for whatever. He had to bring the suitcase because of the. That was when you were in a terrain phase, and then you've got lots of like miniatures and um, painted up quite a lot and made a lot of um, like small sec- terrain sections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and it just it, yeah. it, it was it was ridiculous. If you play once a week, it's just not fucking worth it. Like honestly, my new policy is if it if if I can't fit it in one bag, it's not coming. End yep. of fucking story. It's not as good. Like playing with that terrain and stuff was fucking great. It's amazing. It. Like the only way that it could be sustainable would be to um, if you were always the host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, then yeah. you'd just be like, all right, well, there's a shelf now. I've got access to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And especially if you've got a game, a dedicated gaming room. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yeah. where you, you, it's easily accessible. Yeah, because otherwise, yeah, it's just the, the packing away and stuff. Because I remember um, before Jesse was around and, you know, you had your, your spare room, which was like the computer den and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and the drawers were just packed. And it'd be like, oh, yeah, I just need to get this out. And then it'd be like, open that drawer, open that compartment, open that, <laughs> open that, and open that. And it'd be like, all right, there it is. You knew yeah. where everything was, but it was just, it took time because it needed to be packed away. I had insane amounts of stuff. It's annoying. And also, like, the, the thing is, if you have particularly big miniatures as well, like, because some of the stuff I had, like, I had big fucking demons, I had the frog hemoth, dragons. They're amazing. It's like, yeah, I can fit all, most of my minis in one box, but then these huge ones just need to be out. And let's be honest, it's embarrassing when my wife's friends come around and they see a frog hemoth sitting on the shelf. It's like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. And and so it's something I've I've moved on from a little bit. And and that's kind of why I wanted to talk about alternatives and cheap, better ways of doing it. Oh and boy, you can kind of you, there are ways to get the impact of having miniatures and terrain without having to use all that space and spend all that fucking money. Now the first one we're going to talk about is paper miniatures. Oh yeah, sounds lame, um, but it can be cool. So, right, firstly, it could be cool, but secondly, it could be fucking cost-effective, and thirdly, it's like fucking this storage is mental. Because because the good thing about that is, even if the mini is huge, like I've for example, the with paper minis, right? You have some smaller ones and like like player character ones, but if I have a huge one, it can fit in the same fucking box because they're all flat, right? Yep. Now, the best ways to do paper minis, though, don't just print them on paper and then put them on the table. I've done this before. You can glue a penny to them, right, if you have the trifold ones that sort of stand up yeah, like a triangle. But 
But yeah, when people laugh or put down their yeah. drinks, they blow all over the place. So you yeah, glue yeah. a penny to the bottom. But it's, it's that's a bit of a pikey way to do it, and it's also going to result well, in... Well, I mean, they'll just tear, because it's yeah. one bit of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you glue a penny onto it, and then you just pick it up, and it's like, oh, I've torn them off. So, so uh, Ace B asked me on the Discord about uh, ICRPG, because he said he was there some sort of promotional pack... Um, because I use the uh, ICRPG paper minis. And the, the great thing about this is if you buy it from DriveThruRPG, you get all of those for free, hundreds and hundreds of paper minis. And what I did is I just got it on the thickest cardstock I could buy at a printing company, got them printed up for about £10 and then sent to me. Now, it does mean you're going to have to stick and glue all of these fucking things together. Yeah, but when you're done... Yeah, you've just got it there forever, and it's double-sided and... Cutting it out and gluing it together is a lot quicker than painting them. Yeah. And the cool thing is is that the artwork on them is really nice. So you still get that impact. Like his the ICRPG art style is very unique and you but you still get that impact of oh look at that cool artwork. You stick yeah. it down on the table. You still get to like have the fun choice, you know, to be like, all right, choose your character, and then you just fling out a load of flats on the table. And then you just put it in a holder. Well, that was it, because like, we started off using a couple of the sci-fi minis for the cyberpunk campaign as the player character minis. And I was just going through, like looking for ones that could possibly fit in a cyberpunk game. And there was about 30. Mm. So for uh, if you if I just bought those, like the price of those probably cost me about 50p to a pound. I've got loads of them. They're sturdy as fuck cardboard. The only thing is, is, obviously, you need to buy bases. But um, I just picked up a box of 50 bases um, from Amazon for a fiver. So. Exactly. So there's a alternative cheap ways about doing things, but still give impact. And also, um, it means you're not that precious about them. So you can sit there, you know, some of the card ones that you've printed out, because they're cheap to reproduce, you could just be like, All right, well, yeah, he's dead. Draw a red X on him or something like that. If you think that, you know, if you really want the player investment, depending on who you're playing with and stuff, you can just do that. Like, yeah. yeah, you can set them on fire if you want. That'd be sick. <laughs> that would be sick. But yeah, I mean, so that that's probably, as for paper miniatures, my first bit of advice, just buy RCR, R- RC, buy RCR, buy RC, 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 and then get those miniatures. All right, you got that. Sorry, that was my, uh, my Uncle Bill just came. Oh, no, I do have an Uncle Bill. I forgot. Um, yeah, so buy ICRPG because it is good and you get loads of paper minis. And let's be honest, you do you do play fantasy games, don't you? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, come on, mate. You listen to this. Just, of course come on, mate. So just, yeah, just get them. Um, another one I wanted to shout out was Oakham Arts. So this guy does paper minis and they're actually really nice. They have thick black borders. So if you have a paper cutting machine as well, it will cut out the, uh, cut out the, the borders of it and you won't have like a white background on your little cardstock minis like you would on the ICRPG ones. Mm. The artwork, I'm going to say it ranges from mid to low quality, but he has got loads of them and weird ones too because he's got a modern sci-fi fantasy. He also made a game called Grammar World that we sadly played a terrible session of at yeah. convention once. So you can buy some granny miniatures from him if you want. And the good thing is, is that while the art quality is semi-low, they are full colour and cheap as fuck so yeah Oakham Arts and um, yeah paper minis the, the the floor of them I feel is that you do need to get them printed up on decent cardstock and you are going to use a lot of ink but it, I think pros it's cheaper they yeah. look cool 
players like them, it'll give you more choice because you can get hundreds for cheap. And uh, there are fuckloads of them out there. They're becoming way, way, way more popular. So yeah. yeah, and the only other flaw to them is obviously because they're paper, they can soak up moisture. So just make sure your idiot spillers uh, don't spill anything. Get them those what those cups, sippy cups, sippy cups. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is something that genuinely worries me because I've I've I bought um a set of you know Rory's story cubes. Mm. Um, I've got some fantasy ones, and I was playing uh with those with my niece recently, and she was loving it. And I'm thinking she wants she wanted me to babysit her soon, so her mum can have a break as well, which would be nice. But I was thinking I might run a little session of D and D. Do I'm it. thinking with this clumsy six year old there, if she spills. Imagine if it went into the actual box. Oh, no. And I'll, I'll be fi- like, that'd be like, oh, cool. All that time I spent sticking and gluing. Cool, thanks. But yeah, that, that's really the, the, the hardest thing about them. But then what you could do is get them printed on laminate, you know. Yeah. And that'd be easier. So, but yeah, that is, that is it. Paper miniatures. Definitely go for those. Those are one of our number one recommendations. Um, James, as a player... Do you have a preference? Do you have a preference between paper miniatures or or traditional ones? Um, to be honest, I don't really have a preference. I do like the traditional ones. You know, the look and feel. And if you paint them yourself, or the pre-painted, or if you've selected them purposefully for the character that you're portraying, then it, you really do enjoy it. And I mean, at the table, we're always sitting there going, like, "Oh yeah, mate, it looks great. Yeah, I love the way the character looks." We're always commenting on whatever version of a miniature that we have or token, or whatever it is. But I don't really have a preference because at the end of the day, um, it's all about the game and story. So as long mm. as you have something representative of you and your position, then that's fine. Because well, because we've... if you look at the, the actual mechanical purpose of the minis is to show where people are, show who's behind cover, right? The, we want them to look cool, obviously. But it's as you say, you, you, it's you. It doesn't have to, you yeah. Know. Um, and paper minis are obviously very good. Um, they don't look as cool as normal miniatures, but they do look very cool still. I like nice. I like the choice of paper minis. Like we said, you can get so many for so cheap that you just you know you it's can... just it's just a no brainer to me now. Yeah, but the thing is, it, like another very underrepresented genre in um, in buying normal minis is gangster games. Oh, that's and true. specifically, even like like you can buy some packs of gangsters, but there's not that many. Like, try you could probably get like a pack of Italian ones or of a yeah. They're all one. the standard stereotypes and tropes. Yeah, but there's not that many, and you have to mix it up with some maybe some modern ones or whatever. But here's the thing: like Tough Guys, for example, is 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 grossly underrepresented, mainly because nobody plays it, right? <laughs> but the, but the thing about it is that like buying minis for that campaign would be really really difficult so what i did and this again it is a little bit little bit you know cheapo but i was like you know can i really be asked trying to source minis for this or or make my own paper minis which is another way of doing it that's somewhat easy but can be time consuming i just bought some blank dice off of a dice shop online marked them up with a sharpie with people's um initials on the main side and then that's it. You've got a token there. That's you. And yep. I, I marked up a bunch of other ones with like, this is a boss, this is a goon, whatever. And the cool thing about that is you can remove the Sharpie using, um, what the fuck is it called? Acetone, yeah. right? So if you ever change players. But James had the genius idea as well, especially with Savage Worlds, right? Because the way the HP works is wound system. You have three yep. wounds and incapacitated. 
and then you also have the shaken status. So you marked up all the different sides of the dice, so we yeah. could move it and be like because they're all different colours. So we got used to the colour representing the player, and then uh, just meant that if you're wounded, you just turn it turn it round, and then you don't really need to keep track because it's staring at you in the face. It's pretty fucking genius. I was to just be like, fair. yeah, that's right. And you know that works. It's it's a very inelegant way of doing it. It doesn't look amazing, but it's uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fine way of doing it. it also, it it made it a lot a lot quicker because you know sometimes. Uh, when we're caught up in the moment, I say particularly our uh, our Ryan, um, he'll sit there and be like, "Oh, wait a minute, I've forgotten where my box is to mark my wounds." Oh, wait a minute, I need to rub it off. Yeah, and yeah, just, and, and just also turn like, it over and just be like click. Done. Because I had a bunch of generic enemy tokens, I'd just chuck them out and then just be like, "Right, these ones over here. These are guys with shotguns. These are guys with pistols. That's the boss. Bam, let's get yeah. on with it." No searching for the specific one. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And also, you guys always had your tokens in front of you. But again, it's it's inelegant. Doesn't look. What's up? <laughs> What's up, sponsors? Yo, yo. No, no, no. I'm not talking. We're trying to get sponsors. We have a sponsor for this episode. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. They're really cool guys. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Pornhub, uh, great website, and uh, they sponsored this episode. No, no. <laughs> sorry, that's my other podcast. They, so, yeah. The, it's not necessarily a sponsorship, but a company has sent us some miniatures and I will be completely honest about them um, and say what I feel um, because they've sent this uh, us the minis for review, right? And yeah. that is Arknight miniatures. So in our Cyberpunk campaign, we've been using Arknight miniatures and I did buy them myself before they were kind enough to send us some. And I absolutely love them. So what these are is like thin plastic minis that come with bases and the art is always double-sided. So yeah. it has a, a back a literal, and a front. Yeah, front and back of the... Which is really handy. It's quite high-quality sort of comic-y artwork, um, full colour, comes with bases, and obviously the plastic is clear as well, so it's got clear outlines of the characters. It's they decent. Look, they look beautiful. So they, they sit really there, and then whatever shape or size they are, you know, there's no border um, or any sort of backdrop. It's all... Um, clear so they just yeah they're just like a character sitting on the table it's nice so again these are a bit more expensive than paper minis but what i got the it's called a cyberpunks pack and it came 62 miniatures and 62 and it was 30 dollars right which meant postage was a little bit much but not actually that bad at all because if i buy a miniature from fucking america postage is ridiculous it's like 30 quid but these are flat so it just came in a letter yep and also, it was like £2 for postage, which is... That's the biggest fucking bonus ever. $30 for 62 minis is ridiculous. And the thing is, like, the fact that they are uh, printed on, you know, plastic... Uh, means that when I'm playing Cyberpunk Red with my niece, yeah. she spills that drink. That's fine. Don't and worry about it. And, uh, yeah, the cool thing is, is that the packs that you get, they come with a really sort of, like, wide range of, of different shit. Um, oh, they're awesome. It's clear that the cyberpunk ones are mainly meant for Shadowrun because it's got trolls in there and things like this and dwarves. But um, yeah, the cool thing is it comes with some vehicles as well. They've got terrain packs, which are mostly fantasy at this point, but they've got vehicles. They've got flying bases for uh, certain, for example, there's an AV in, in the cyberpunks pack. Um, yeah, they're really, really, really nice minis. I absolutely love them. Um, my only gripe, I would say, is that... I've got one pack and I've got 62 minis. It's missing one type of mini that I really need for Cyberpunk, which is um, just some modern-day civilians. Ah, uh, yeah. But they do sell a pack of modern-day civilians, 
but when I bought this first one, I didn't have enough money to buy both of them. So uh, <laughs> still, yeah, um, great, great, great miniatures, great company. And they have sent us a pack, which unfortunately didn't arrive for in, in time for this episode. But yeah, it's fuck it. They're, they're a great company. And uh, their website is like arknight.squarespace.com. Oh, so they're kind of a small operation as well. That's really cool, man. Really quick sending, and also, yeah, the minis are just great. I think it's that perfect balance between the paper mini and the um, fucking you know normal minis. Yeah, because of the fact that it's you know the paper ones are terrible and terrible, and like um, you know they're, they're kind of their shelf life ain't that long. These shelf life on on the Arc Knight minis are um, a lot longer. It's ridiculous. Um, thing is. Is that because these are them on like really thin plastic as well? Like the amount you can, I've got those. You know those things called really useful boxes. Yeah, I've got the absolutely the smallest, smallest size, and I can fit 50, 60 miniatures in one of those tiny boxes. And for me, that is like that's that's the selling point right there. The the criticism I do have um, with it a a little bit is that so the way they come delivered is in a sheet, and you have to pop them out. And the sheet is made of the same material, obviously, and it's quite easy to tear them. So you do have to be very, very careful when you're getting them out. Uh, when you're popping them. Now, there are other companies that are doing the same thing. Uh, there's a company called Skinny Minis, um, who... It's essentially the exact same product, um, but they only do fancy, which is kind uh. of annoying. Uh, whereas Ark Knight do all kinds of different ones, which they do. They've got civilian, sci-fi, modern, cyberpunk, all of this stuff. So they're probably the better company to go for. But the skinny minis ones do have some of the more typical monsters from the monster manual in there. So maybe go for that one. Um, it depends on what you need, really. But Ark Knight, fucking amazing. Thank you very much for the uh, for the gift. And uh, I, I, yeah, I promise you, I'm not. No bullshit. I do really like them. Yeah, they am Gary Galaxy. They got Russia and other people Jonathan. Then tabletop twice a I hate walking to yours because for some reason now I'm a bit older. I get sweaty all the time. Oh mate, no, I know what you mean. It's just like oh, I used to do this walk like fucking twenty times a day. I used to sprint to yours, <laughs> and now it's like I I walk and I if my backpack is like overloaded or if I'm carrying an extra bag, it's like it's got a wet back. I've got a wet back, wet crotch, and that's no way to start a game. But the good thing about uh, is about Arc Knight miniatures, right, is that if you do have a wet crotch and that happens to be where you store your miniatures... Yeah, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. Yeah. You just get them out. It may smell a bit cheesy, but they can still be moved hey. around the table. No, I, I clean the penis. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, I think I think yeah. So that's my recommendation for miniatures. I go with plastic or the paper ones if space saving and money is an issue, which it is for me because I live in a small house and I have no money. Mm. Um, also, time as well. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people have jobs. Is that can we confirm that? Confirmed. Confirmed. A lot of people. Yeah, you know. If, Confirmed. If if you don't play very often then crafting is a really good way to sort of still be involved with the hobby. But and it's you, also very therapeutic if you manage to find the time to do it as well. I love it. Mm. I love it. But it's just I don't have the time now, uh, nor the inclination, and we play each week. So trying to get, try, I'll say it again, that fifth edition campaign, trying to get minis painted every week. Fuck me. It, it nearly killed me. Yeah, it was amazing though. Yeah, like, we I, I was fun. Properly enjoyed it, like everyone did. But yeah, yeah, my recommendation goes to paper or skinny slash Arc Knight minis. Um, but uh, let's talk about maps. 
Because you know what I hate, right? Is when I've lovingly crafted and painted some minis. And, you know, glued them all together and all this shit. And then you put your maps down on the table, you've got your shitty hand-drawn ones. Oh, yeah, no, no, no. They've never, they've never been shitty. Well, I, I put I a lot of care and attention into yeah. them, but I can't actually draw. So that's the biggest sort of problem. So there's more time because of the... Uh... Retardation. <laughs> yeah, but there's more time going into drawing out your own maps and stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's kind of... And also, like... I don't know. Yeah, just it takes a lot of time, and I feel like it does the minis a disservice because the, the fine guys at Reaper minis, no Ark Knight minis. You know they make good shit, and it's like then you put it on this shit hand drawn map that looks like yeah, it's, it's been crinkled, been spilt on. It's been spit. Up. That's it's, one thing. There's some crusty well. stains on it. Don't know how yeah. they happened. Yeah, but it was a good time. Um, I I do find that if you do your own maps, regardless of your capabilities or time that you've poured into um, drawing them out and making them look pretty or at least good enough for use, um, if you've drawn it out yourself, you will always be a bit anal about um, putting them down on a table. Because as soon as something's building it, you're like, fuck me, man. Especially if I've drawn out a world map, which is, you know... Could be weeks of work, you know. Yeah, and it's then just it's like, like, that took me fucking And then when my brother it. inevitably spills something on it. Yeah, like chocolate stain. And it's just like, for fuck's oh, sake. Oh, the chocolate stains. It's like, how, how old are you? You know, when, <laughs> when, we, when we host it here, right, at my house, um, when I move the table at the end, you're lucky because you've got a rumba. Yeah. And not the dance, the cleaning rumba. Hey. But, but it's just fucking cut. It's crisps, crisp bits everywhere. It's always around my brother's fucking seat. <laughs> my, my wife can actually tell where he's been sitting. It's brilliant. She'd be like, is that where Sean's at? It's like fucking chocolate, fucking crumbs all over the place, tobacco, weed, not weed. Yeah. Not weed. <laughs> not weed. <laughs> <laughs> Cactus. Yeah, maps wise, I think we don't really need to spend much long, much long on this because uh, much long. That's your cousin, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, <laughs> we don't need to spend a long time on this. But basically, the the thing I wanted to say was like, obviously, terrain is ideal but costly and not time effective. So I think just just for the for the sake of a couple of quid, get them printed at either a mate's work. Or yeah. at a print shop nearby because they just look nice and yeah. Find brother... some online, like either subscribe to get uh, you know someone on Patreon. There's so many out there that make sort of really nice. Yeah, um, I mean that's what annoys me. Like nowadays, it's become the thing, isn't it? That people. I mean, this is terrible, but people have their Patreons where they make battle maps. If you just go on to Reddit, go to r slash battle maps. Um, it's basically just a bunch of people shouting out their Patreons, and it's, like, really good. There's so many maps available. You just spend a quid, and then you get the access to the whole back catalogue. Zovia Maps is a good one for that. Oh, yeah, he, um She seems like a really uh, d- decent uh, person. Uh, mm. I don't know why I said that, but, yeah, her, her maps are very good. Um, so, yeah, there's shitloads out there, but it kind of annoys me because, you know, back in the day when it was, like, the Wild West, you know, and people were just, you know, share, naughty, sharing people's maps when they really shouldn't be. Oh, yeah, yeah. They are the good times, the good old days. <laughs> and now it's like you go onto Google and you search for a specific battle map and it'll be, like, a low-quality image with a uh, watermark of go to Big Sucks Big Dick 420 on Patreon and get this map. And I'm like, you fucking piece of shit. You fucking big you, suck You're dick. making me pay for your hard work. How dare you? Yeah, but please, uh, just so you know, 3T RPG podcast on Patreon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> please don't pirate this free podcast. But no, seriously, you should pay for them, but I just don't want to. 
Yeah, that's fair enough to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> what? No, the, the, there is a trend that I do hate: is people that have downloaded map making software with a bunch of pre-made stuff and then exported that and gone, "Can you pay me for this?" That takes the piss. But the hand-drawn ones that are beautiful, like specifically Zovia, for example, she does uh, videos on her YouTube, but like time lapse of her drawing it, and it's like fucking hell, this amount of effort for something somebody only needs to pay a quid to get like fifty of them. Yep. Um, I mean, that's, that's, that's worth your buck. So it is worth it. And recently, you know, when I couldn't find any uh, free car tokens, I did I did go to two-minute tabletop, which is another very good one. But just if you've got decent minis, invest in decent maps because you're doing them justice then. And it looks nice. It sets the atmosphere. And also, you don't need to describe anything. It's just there on the fucking table. Yeah, it just helps you and it helps positioning. It helps tactical opportunities. And, you know, the grid's there so you can actually move your players yeah. along. Or if it's zoomed out, you can just be like, look, this is just placement reasons yeah 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 totally but you know um yeah during the tough guys campaign where i just had you know tokens for characters i did hand drawn maps but that's fine you just want it for positioning but i think the ideal is going to be printing them because if you buy a map from say paizo we've already spoke about why that's annoying mm. but also you don't get much use out of it whereas if you print a map it costs a lot less you can use it once and it's it's still pretty awesome. You won't be so precious over the encounter you've set up because it only costs you a little bit of money to get it printed, do you know what I mean? Or the ink that you bought. So yeah, that is it. So we we I think we're done. Maps and minis made easy. I think we've made it easy. Yeah, so the making it easy is get paper or plastic minis as long as they're skinny Just for transportation. Do that. And also get just pre-done maps. You've got the sub, the big book of cyberpunk. Oh god, yeah, I do need to talk about those guys because they actually that was another previous fucking sponsor of this podcast, Loki Battle Maps. Um, they're not sponsoring us anymore, so I can say right now that the people running that company, backhand to the face. <laughs> Um, no, no, they're awesome. No, they are. Um, so I bought the big book of cyberpunk battle maps, which is an A2-sized book of battle maps. They're a UK-based company yeah. as well. So proudly British. Yes. Um, and, um, yeah, they essentially what these are are dry and wet arrays uh, maps. It's map an maps. A3 book, but obviously folds out. It into folds A2. out flat, and you can use one side or both sides of all the pages as they fold out, always fold out to make something bigger. For example... You've got one map that's a train station, and then the other one folds out to be the above ground level of the train station, things like this. But they're also dry and wet arrays. And so the the giant book, that's the one I got, yeah, the giant the book giant. of cyberpunk battle, battle maps, which is huge. It's actually too big. It doesn't fit in my bag. But the um, yeah, so that cost me 30 quid. And it's got, if you took each half page as, it own, as its own map, maybe 40 maps. Yeah, so, so it's basically for your buck, mate, it's really worth it, and they're so good. Yeah, they're really nice. They're like, like really, really pretty, and they sell these like stickers you can put on there that are re-stickable, so you can put scenery and shit on there. I mean, that's smart, and well, it also it it does the miniatures justice, like we've commented. Yes, and um, yeah. it's it's also one of those easy ones, especially you know with the dry and wet uh, wipes. You can um, just like draw all over it. And Be sure to erase it between games, though, because I fucked up the nightclub map on there by leaving. Oh, the did pen you leave it a bit too long? Yep. 
about a week. Yeah, it's permanent now. So there's some marks on there. But still, they're, they're great products. And, and the cool thing is, is that they do small, uh, medium, big, and giant. So oh, I, the small ones are cute, but they really are. awesome. Yeah, yeah, and they're all actually quite handy. You you think the small ones are too small, but we've used them. and We've cool used thing, them quite a lot, actually. Cool thing is you can sort of merge two together if you've got more than one book. Yeah, so. you can link them up because the small ones tend to be like portrayal of a road, mostly. Yeah, 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 or like some grass. Yeah, and it's just like you just need some scenery, yeah. and that's it, and that, and that helps you, you do battles. But yeah, I like them. I like them a lot, and it solves that problem of the high quality, you know, piezo maps of folding them flat. It solves that problem. It also yeah. gives you way more. It's like perfect. So the Cyberpunk one, for example, yes, the maps are very distinct, and I don't know if I'd use many of them more than once, but it's got more than enough to sort of last you for a campaign. Yeah. Even if you only use each one once, but then certain other ones are going to come up again, like nightclubs, bars, diners, things like this. Places yeah. the characters are reusable. Yeah. So it's it's uh it's yeah Loki battle maps. Check them out. They're really fucking good. Just oh, yes. um, bear in mind. Just measure your bag. And I thought because it said A <laughs> three, I thought that was A three when it was unfolded, but it wasn't. <laughs> and it doesn't fit. It's too big. It's too big. Um, but very cool so yeah check out Loki Battle Maps and you know just buy some ones on Patreon if you if you can't pirate them <laughs> no no do do pay people for their work do yeah pay people for their work but then um, get your mate to print by people work. I mean us yeah right pay us for your work <laughs> that's that would be ideal <laughs> that would be ideal because currently I don't I haven't had a job in a long time right <laughs> Uh, so if you could pay me for your work, that would be ideal. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah, by the way, did you receive your payment from Ark Knight Miniatures to give them a positive review? No, mate, not yet. All right, well, yeah, check check your account because... Uh... Oh, yeah, there it is. 3P. <laughs> um... I think it's because they thought we were the 3P RPG... No, that's stupid. Oh, right. 3P cop copcast. Should we play some Jim Bim Salabim? I'll come on in there. Sorry. I mean, yes. Don't be racist, for Christ's sake. Uh, I already made that much long joke earlier. <laughs> right, so Jim Bim Salabim. Where does this stem from? It's, it comes from the fact that at our table we have lots of weird phrases, like colloquialisms that we all say that don't make any sense um, to yeah, people outside of the table. In a circle joke. So, like Chottleton. Yep. Chottleberg on sea. <laughs> a little uh, thumbs up, but you have to make the smallest thumb up possible. Yeah, that's another is, one. Is a really good thing at the table. We love um, that. Upgroid. Yeah. Updo. Um, all right, anyway. The point is, is this game is there are... In, in Cyberpunk Red... There are lots of street slang terms <laughs> for things, right? And in this game, I'm just gonna I'm gonna read some of them out, and you're gonna have to figure out which is the quote unquote real ones from the Cyberpunk Red Book, and which ones have I made up? All right. Which is a Jim Bim Salabim, which was the name of a move that we had in uh, one RPG, by the way. <laughs> so the first one, crowdfunder, a derogatory name meaning a beggar. I'm gonna say that's made up. I don't think that's uh, cyberpunky enough. That's good. No, you've done it. You've you, you, that, yeah, that's one, right? Keep I mean, that's a, that's a Jim Bim Salabim. That's a Jim Bim Salabim. So yeah, uh, that one I did make up. I was actually quite proud of that. I thought it's good. Good. I like it. Next one, chipping in to get cyberware installed for the first time. That just sounds good because chip. But I'm gonna go for Jim Bim Salabim. No, wrong. That is. Oh fuck! Uh, it's even one of these songs that gets played at our table during fights. Yeah, 
Yeah, because it obviously it always announces the name of the song that's playing. Where the chorus goes, I'm chipping in. <laughs> but, um, and I posted it on our Facebook group, uh, that specific song, and even included what it meant. So, so what I actually said was, no, that's, shut a, up. that's a cyberpunk. Joy Toy, a prostitute who has multiple personalities installed in their brain so that they can meet the needs of any client. Oh my God, please, can that be in cyberpunk? So is that your guess? Yes. Okay, yeah. No, that is real. That's yeah. real. So That's so good. So if you, for example, if you went to a, 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 whore, no, a whore house. Oh, a Jorge house. Uh, no, that's, uh, that's, no. Shut up. Stop trying to make me say racist things. Right, so, um, <laughs> so um, yeah, if you go to, basically the person will go, right, here's your client. What sort of personality do you want? And you'll go, uh, can I have Marie Antoinette? And then they'll be that personality or whatever. It's pretty fucking cool. Kibble, a cheap type of food for humans that resembles cat food. Oh, that's got to be, that's in cyberpunk. It's got to be. It is. And it's the lowest form of food you can sustain yourself on in the game. And if you eat only kibble for a long enough time, you start to get, uh, yeah, your character starts to get like worse, like ill. Oh my God. Yeah. I'd like to point out for any listeners here, I have no prior knowledge of the cyberpunk um, history other than the once the podcast that we did because I've not played the video games. Yeah, that's true. Well, there's only one one video game, but yeah, it's been a it's been out for a while. But yeah, you don't have any prior knowledge, and all of these are kind of weird. But yeah, you've got what two right so far? I've got like all of them, mate. Yeah. Oh right, good. <laughs> uh, bungle fungler, a person who makes stuff out of trash. Oh mate, that's definitely a Jim Bim Salabim. Yeah, he's a rimbo, a gun-toting woman who exploits her sexuality. <laughs> A rimbo, that's wicked. Yeah, it's Jim Bim Salabim. No, that's a oh. real one. So it means it's uh, from Bimbo and Rambo. Oh. So it's a rimbo. And it's a basically, bimbo. the way it describes it in the book is is a, um, a sex sex kitten. So it's like somebody that wears very little clothes and like has an Uzi. Oh my yeah. God. Right, that's cool. That yeah. is cool. Um, egg-laying woolly milk pig. A jack of all trades, but master of none. <laughs> Jim Bim Salabim. Technically, yes, it's not a cyberpunk word, but it's a, it's um, uh, I can't remember, but I, I don't know the actual. It's like Erlegende Volmichsau. It's like a German word that means jack of all trades, basically. But it's not a cyberpunk one. That's brilliant. Chromatic rock, a type of heavy metal characterized by heavy electronics, simple rhythms, and violent lyrics. Oh, mate, that's definitely in the cyber. Yep, that uh, chipping in is a, an example of a song in that genre. Samurai, a band of chromatic rock. Nice. Slap goblin. A cyber psycho who has extremely song, strong cyber arms. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just imagine a goblin walking around, just tsh, 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 just slapping people. No, but people. goblins aren't in cyberpunk, so it'd be a big fucker with like big green arms. Oh, slap goblin. What are we saying? Oh, I'm gonna jim bim salabim. Yeah, I did make that one up. I like it though. And I the last one, take it in. Decycling, dumping a body in a discreet, discreet location. Oh, please better let that be in. That's wicked. That's such a good idea. Uh, no, it isn't. But Is it Jim Bim? Recycling is the process of taking a dead body to a ripper dock to harvest ah, their cyberware and organs. That's the new term for recycling. So I just kind of, I, I flipped it. You flipped it. I mate. flipped it, mate. <laughs> I ended it. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's it for Jim Bim Salabim. I think you scored a good. I scored a good, right? We never keep track of the fucking scores. Was it a good though? Uh, Was it an okay? Yeah. Was it a small thumbs up? Yeah. Oh, yes. I'm doing that now. For, for listeners that can't see what I'm doing, I'm doing that. 
Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> he, he pointed it at the mic. <laughs> I actually did. <laughs> <coughs> Shut up. In the future, you will be able to send a letter or parcel from anywhere on the planet. This, sir, is the electro letter. Let's do electro letters. Sup. So um yeah we we basically are so yeah <laughs> okay. yeah we got like a letters electronically yeah cyberpunk yo yeah <laughs> I should put that as one of the Jim Bim Salabims electro letter <laughs> an email so um yeah we we're basically only accepting question submissions on the Discord at this point which we are going to link in the description bled oh yeah I should probably put some links out there on the wider yeah that would be that would be I'll good. do that first one comes in from Owen Lean he says what are the current most prominent in jokes at your gaming table I've just put in brackets underneath that Ryan's back so one of our players um, there was a very high profile Premier League match happening that he wanted to watch and he lied and told us that he had a bad back um, because he had set up the fact that he couldn't host the game a week prior there was all sorts of suspicious activity going on, and the fact that his dad and his brother were watching the football downstairs. Yeah, and also he he t- he messaged me the day before the game, being like, "Oh, mate, can it be at yours?" And I was like, "You really ran this so past somehow, me, mate." Somehow he he preempted the fact that he was going to have a bad back a week before, then a day before, and also there just happened to be a football game happening at the same time. <laughs> We've spoken about this before, but so that's the current ongoing joke because the next week when he turned up, we gave him a lot of shit for it, didn't we? Yeah, and it was funny because I, as it was, the first thing I said to him, I said, "You're right, mate. How's your back?" Like that, really simple. And he just went, "Oh no, he, oh, no, my back actually was hurting." By the way, the thing is, you got like, defensive so quickly. And I was trying to be like nice, but I say like because I'm curious as to how he fixed it because I, I mean, well, it was a miraculous. Yeah, because he seemed to be all sprightly and all that shit. And he said, "Oh yeah, I went out on the Saturday," and it's like, mate, that's two days later. You don't recover from a back injury that quickly. Do you remember when I had a bit of back at the game and I couldn't move my neck? Yeah. Right. Yeah, he's out tap dancing the next night. Yeah, I fucking I I I did my back in just doing absolutely nothing. But I had to. St- I stood up the next day for a ten hours straight to to let it settle, and that really helped. But it still weren't fixed. Yeah. So, but somehow he's fine the next fucking day. Yeah, he's fine, mate. He got. He said, oh, maybe it was the result in the football that helped. Oh, yeah, but it was yeah. funny. Yeah, we were taking the piss out of him loads, like, and we just wouldn't stop. And then. It got to the point where, James, you were like, oh, yeah, I injured my back recently. And I was like, oh, mate, you're right, like showing genuine concern. And then with Ryan, like, I was re- we were really giving him a lot of shit. And then um, Ryan was like, oh, no, mate, I, honestly, mate, it was it was a horrible evening. And then Sean just, bam, like quick as lightning, he just went, why did your team lose? <laughs> it was so fucking funny, man. But that's that, yeah, that's probably the most prominent in-joke at the moment. Yeah, that's the one that's like, yeah. it's just here, mate. It's yeah. good. CJ the big boy, he says, what RPG setting or book would you like to see get an update or expansion? (laughs) (laughs) Old School Essentials would probably be mine. Because the thing is, recently they came out with two new new books for the Old School Essentials, and I love the modular nature, like everything's its own little book. Mm. Um, For those that don't know, it's a... Basically, a reprint and reorganization of uh, Basic Essentials D&D, and it's probably the best one out there. But they, it's kind of cool, because what they did is they released an advanced fantasy book. It doesn't update the rules to advanced D&D, but it puts all the character options from it into the game, which I just think is genius, because it still keeps it a decent game, rather than being the rules bloat of AD&D. 
but yeah, they they released two new things for it recently. A new a book of advanced treasures. So it's all the you know the well known ones from AD and D, the book deck of many things, the crab apparatus, all this shit, and uh, some new monsters from AD and D. Now that was cool, but the people have noted for a long time that the monk class is missing from OSE. And they are saving it, apparently, for an Oriental Adventures one. So they have, like, Samurai, Monk, I don't know, some other type of Oriental thing. Ninja is another one. But, yeah, so um, that, I want that, please, now. i like to see them revamp Pathfinder and make it less mess. That would be nice. Because that was, you know, we enjoyed that as as one of our introductory uh, games into the genre. Yeah. Yeah. and we played it for a good long while, and we did enjoy the number crunching at, at that point. But I think if they stripped it down, it and made would... made a Pathfinder Basics or something. No, because because here's the problem. Here's why the the bloat and the maths in Pathfinder took us by surprise. Is because we started with the beginner box, yeah, and that gives you a watered down version of the rules, and actually a better version of the rules and a better character sheet, honestly. But yeah, the, the character sheet's really well um, laid out. When you start to get into like the rules minutiae of Pathfinder, if you if you jump from the beginner box to the main game, because the beginning box takes you up to level five, which mm. is actually quite a long time. You jump to the main game, it's like it's actually kind of ridiculous how many like like how many rules there are simply for the way in which you're surprised in a fight. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's just, it's things like that that just eventually made it unplayable and really prone to well, hacking as well, yeah. Uh, and, and like, also like, just getting bogged down. Like, certain situations, I just want to go, here's a rule, fuck it, let's move on. But it's like, when there's a rule for everything, all it does is slow the game down. And Because it also... Um, but I do actually like the way the game plays. Yeah, I like the way it plays, but it definitely it definitely forces rules lawyers into the players. Yes, it does, and it, it but 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 it rewards that though. That's the thing. That's how how it happens. See, because mm. if you if you min max rules lawyer and shit like this, well, you're gonna get ahead in that game. I mean, even in your game, for example, when we realised how unbelievably uh, difficult it was to take down the main baddie, mm. I multiclassed in such a way where. You know, it would. I, I don't realize I was wrong for doing this, but like, I multiclassed in such a way where I picked pretty much the best option. You know, what I mean, I really <laughs> poured over the the poured over the fucking rules for ages to try and come up with that. It was really fun to do, actually, to be perfectly honest. But the but the game is really prone to that. There, yeah. there are certain other games that aren't necessarily balanced, but sort of pull off a better sort of feel than where you can't min max it. An OSE, for example, but a Pathfinder Light. I would really fucking love. Yeah. That would be good. Apparently, the new one is somewhat good, but uh, one of the cool things I liked about it is that the way magic items work, Terry was telling me about this, and it's like, so let's say, for example, you get a plus one sword that when you're at full HP, you can shoot lightning out of it. Oh, that's awesome. But then you but then you come across a another sword that has a trait that you like, and you can't decide. Well, you can... Uh, distill the abilities in the first sword into gems which you implant into your new sword so that it combines the three of them and I think that's a really nice idea that is cool so also if you've got yeah like if you've got too many magic items just put it all in one just stick them all on a pair of like unbelievably like bejeweled boots imagine that imagine the size of the uh... the bling yeah (laughs) well the cool thing is it also means like within universe now you can tell if somebody's you know packing 
Because oh, he's yeah. the guy with all the jewels on his boots. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mate, I, th- I think it's fucking cool. That's a really cool idea, man. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, that that was one thing I was like, I might play this, but then I looked at the character sheet and I was like, nope. <laughs> Do you remember the character sheet I um, made for Winter Eternal? I was I, for some reason I was thinking about that the other day. I was going to mention it. Do you, you've you've got quite a talent at making character sheets, so that's what I was thinking early with the Wolves of God game. Maybe I'll get you to do one, but <laughs> but how complicated was it though to make it was, a Pathfinder uh, one? Yeah, it was um, extremely complicated. Um, so much so that it's literally like made on grid paper because yeah. you have to be very specific with the box sizes. Every there's single so inch many of that paper is used. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's like no waste of space in that at all. Check out, um, yeah, check out Winter Eternal for Pathfinder, um, and yeah, have a look at the character sheet because, or just have a look at a Pathfinder character sheet. They're ridiculous. They're stupid. Yeah. There's, t- there's too much. You can tell it's bloated. But there you go. Um, yeah, Ace. He says, have you ever encountered a DM or player along the lines of Arcadum, and how would you deal with them in your group? You know about Arcadum, right? You on that pod? Yeah, you were. Of course. <laughs> I can't remember, man. Everything's a blur now. But yeah, it was just me and you, bro. Have you? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell. But yeah, so have we ever encountered anyone like that? Like super fucking creepy? Yes. Gamma. Yeah, Gra- Grammar. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, yeah. So I forget the guy's name, but he was running gram- gra- grandma-, grandma World. Yeah. Um, essentially, he's this fucking creepy guy who spent most of his time trying to connect to the Wi-Fi at the hotel that we were Fudged staying the at. entirety of the game, was and, yeah, racist. He was hella racist and um, spent all his time trying to get to the Wi-Fi just to show us the inside of a colon. Yeah, because he was like, you go into the bowels of the cave, man, and showed us a picture of a colonoscopy, and I hope to God it wasn't And his. so how we dealt with it at the table, we, unfortunately we weren't given X cards, um, but I would have just slapped it down straight away. But James we, killed him. Yeah, yeah murdered. Um, no, we just, we just, the three of us um, who were friends at the table just really tried to just move the story yeah, the like, fuck like just, on. Just move on. <laughs> we just like, we'd like interject and be like, yeah, cool, yeah, well, I'll shoot him, he's dead. Well, right, the, pro- let's the, move the on. problem is, right, is that it's, it was two British people and one Canadian. So we don't speak up. That's the trouble. So we at the end, we were even like, thanks for the game, mate. But yeah. it, was, it was awful. How I deal with that, players like that tends to be, if it's a one shot, you just, you just grin and bear it. Never ever play a game with them and again. Yeah, just be like, yeah, cool, well, finished. Yep, and then talk about them on a podcast years later, slagging them off. <laughs> no, but I think um, in this day and age, if we encountered it now, I like to feel that I'd be like, excuse me, mate, can you start this really appropriate? Like, yeah. I would just say, especially, say, for instance, next Savage Con, if that ever happened at a table, I'd fucking tell him straight away. I'd be like, especially I'm, I'm because that. at the con we have people of, of all ages as yeah, well. But I think the, people are mostly respectful. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I don't, I'd never expect it to happen at like Savage Con. But if I came across anyone doing that, I would just speak up now. I'm just, I'm too fucking, I can't deal with like pandering or pussyfooting around. I'll just tell you how it is. Well, and you know, like p- p- players being creepy to women doesn't happen at a table for, by virtue of the fact there's no women there. Um, no, I mean, I don't think we've ever had like a situation where somebody's been like that creepy to a player. And to be fair, as much as that Grammar World guy was doing gross stuff, it wasn't necessarily leery, perverted, or anything like this. No, it was just, it was just like it's the fact that he was trying to be gruesome to too much, and he was also he was just being hella racist, and we were really trying to turn that off. Without explicitly asking him to fucking shut up, we were just trying to like go around that and not repeat. We were just any doing of it. what our characters were doing, talking about because yeah. his his justification was was like, "You're old people, 
and you know you've got outdated views and it's like okay fine you acknowledge that they're outdated but you want us to sit there and do it and it's like you know what like you know some of the jokes we tell to each other are really oh, bad oh yeah they're really bad but it's, stuff, but, it's in, but it's in private and this guy wanted us to sit around the table and he's like there's a fucking beaner there man and it's like it's like well I, especially we don't really get many Mexican people in this country so it's also like not something I hear very often is you know racism towards Mexican people so it was really shocking I was just like Fuck. yeah yeah that was actually genuinely something that shocked us I was just like nah not saying, not doing that so we just said yeah cool and then just yeah and then I was just, like, just weren't racist yeah, yeah yeah sorry mate but uh you know it's, I, it's I'm not being racist though. as you can tell we're so fucking British because uh, we were just like oh yeah we're just oh great game mate thank you yeah it's like you never speak up no what do you do when you get a shitty meal at a restaurant you eat the entire thing then just don't go back <laughs> Um, we've answered this one before as well, but CJ the big boy, he says favourite snacks to bring to the game table, and I think this is kind of good because we'll uh, evolve a little bit as time goes on. But I wanted to talk about Cyberpunk Red. So for the first session, I wanted to do something a little bit special. So oh, yes, in the video game, it might be mentioned somewhere within the books, but in the video game, there's a uh, drink called the Silver Hand Special, and it is a tequila old fashioned topped up with beer and garnished with a jalapeno. But I didn't actually, uh, unfortunately, I grow some jalapenos, but they weren't ready. <laughs> so um, yeah, it was it, it was a very nice cocktail. So I bought that and I I said for the first game only like bar type snacks. And James, you bought like pretzels and nuts and things yeah, like yeah. this. And we're trying to make it all like you know manly and rock and roll. And we had these strong ass cocktails, so that was nice. That was awesome. One thing I will say is that annoys me is there's so many websites that have recipes for the Silver Hand special out there, and they keep calling it the Johnny Silver Hand. That's not what the fucking drink is called. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, favorite snacks. What are yours at the moment, Jay? Uh, favorite snacks is your 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 posh biscuits. You can't beat a posh biscuit. You know, like the ones that are fully v- coated in chocolate. Well. Yeah, them kind of fuckers. Um, and then. Um, Everyone loves a crisp type snack. It doesn't matter what flavour or whatever it is, but some kind of potato chips, and that that suits us. What are those ones that we keep getting at the moment? The ones that are like puff puffed up, puffed up dickheads, mate. You know oh, the spicy the, ones. Um, they're really like puffed up in it. Puffed up, yeah. Like baked. They're like, uh, they're like baked, baked in like, it. Yeah. There's something good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's <laughs> that's the answer, really. <laughs> Fucking. Um, I'm also quite a big fan. Like when I used to bake bread. Just oh, yeah. slap a, a loaf of bread and just have people tear at it. If you're doing a fantasy game, it's like it's really that does that's quite good. Yeah, a bit of bread and hummus. Yeah, I remember I did uh, just whacked up a load of garlic bread on the table with some hummus. And <laughs> Do you remember when I bought carrots and hummus? Yeah, and it was only me and you that ate it. Yeah, I'm just like, oh, well, we're the posh cunts, and we kept on putting carrots in our drinks for some reason. Oh, we're awesome. But yeah, my favorite, yeah, favorite snacks. I think you've got to go with stuff without a sauce. We're talking yeah. about maps and minis this time. Uh, so Sean, people get fucking raw sauce all over my shit. Raw sauce. Sean used to fucking. It was cool, really nice of him because he'd, he'd get tortilla chips and um, tortilla, tortilla, and uh, then he'd uh, he also get a dipping sauce with it. But there was always a mess, and I was just you know at the end of the day or at the end of the session, it'd be like, oh, cool, it's go best wipe that up, mate. His sheets are disgusting. <laughs> Like they really are. Like they're st- they're stained all over the place. I always like sort of have to end up rewriting them because I'm just like I don't even like that being in my fucking bag. I'm quite it a big. Looks, sorry, you're it quite looks, a big it what? Looks nast, nast. Yeah, I, my brain just overtook me. I'm quite a big fan of um, individual 
um, individually wrapped snacks at the minute. Yeah, like they're really a multi-pack good. of crisps. Because like, obviously in the pandemic and when we were gaming at the table with masks on, I did that. So individually bagged. So you'd pick and choose what you want and therefore your germs were on your own. Yeah, yeah, But yeah. it's actually quite nice because then instead of everyone, you know, putting their holding hands by accident in a nut bowl, you could just have your own small packet and then just like, you know, just wolf that down. And then it's all it's all pretty. Well, I like the like germs that. though. I mean, it gives you that flavour. So, like yeah. with the bar snacks, for example, you don't. You, apparently, there's this fact, right? In America, because you have to serve food with a drink in certain states, that's why you have nuts at the bar. <laughs> it's like to get around that thing. So, um, people dip in and out of the nuts, and apparently, there's like more germs on there than there is on a toilet seat. Oh yeah, just what I want. So, if you want to get the authentic feel of being in a scummy dive bar and not pissing your hands. Piss in your hands. Put them in the bowl a few times. Them up, fondle them up. Scratch the gooch. You really got to scratch that gooch. Yeah. You got to get all that crust off. That's <laughs> <laughs> why they're so crunchy. But yeah, um, also fucking Jaffa Cake cake bars. Oh yeah, they're a good. This addition. is something that our American listeners may not be familiar with, but Jaffa Cakes are my, probably my favourite snack of all time. Yeah, and every time we go shopping, I'll get a whole pack and eat an entire 24-pack of them. Do you like them <laughs> two, one or two-metre tubes they do at Christmas? I fucking love them. <laughs> yes. yes. All right, uh, we've got a couple more questions here. Judge Matthew, he says, phones or no phones at the game table, James? Well, obviously, it would be no phones. Sometimes you use them um, for music purposes, which is fine, and other times um, it's... You know, it's like, oh, I'm expecting a call or something urgent. It's like, cool, it's fine. I, I it. think it's fine to have it out, but not yeah. to sit there texting, like, say, for example, two years ago when you caught with your missus. That's hard. <laughs> James was so in love, man. It was quite sweet, but also he was he was on his phone like, typing essays to each other. Do you still do that? Yeah. <laughs> um, look, yeah, you know, it's, it's within reason, isn't it? You've got to have, yeah, you just be like, right. If it's something urgent that needs attending to, um, but often it'll be like, and she's not here right now, so I can say, well, she is here. She's in the other room, so I better talk quietly. But often it'd be my wife ringing me. And you know, listeners, she's disabled. So I often think, oh my God, what's happened? Um, and she'll call me and she'd be like, how do you turn the television on? <laughs> it won't be something that bad, but it's, it's it can be something like that. Like, where's the, where's my mug? Where's my molasses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, but I, I think phones at the table as long as you can be a fucking adult about it. But uh, he says, do you have a probation system for new players to make sure they fit in with your group? Uh, well, well, we don't really. It's not. We don't often switch our players around, to be honest. But the most recent addition to our group, we've played a campaign with before. Um, he wasn't really a mainstay before, but he. He loves Vampire the Masquerade, so we had him along for that campaign. Yeah. And, and we uh, actually, like, not to big ourselves up as our uh, OG group, but genuinely, not just ourselves that have um, evolved, but I do believe that we, as our original group, has helped him be a better role player. Yeah, he says, like, he says he's, re- he, he's really fighting that urge inside to min-max and metagame. So, yeah. But yeah, he also likes 5e a lot. So when I ran that campaign, I invited him along. And then once the campaign finished, I asked the guys, like, should we, is, did you, is everyone cool for him to stay? And we agreed that from now on, it's a game-by-game basis. Uh, uh, every GM can invite whoever the fuck they want. But, um, yeah, we, we don't. But funnily enough, when this group first started... And we, uh, I was running Call of Cthulhu. I did meet Nick for like an interview at the pub. 
Yeah. Do you remember? Like, because I didn't know what he was like. So yeah. I was like, he, I want to meet a, this guy. That's beforehand. genuine as well. Like, yeah. we actually met him. Just be like, well, he's an outsider that Ryan has um, uh, introduced to the hobby, and he seems to like the idea. Never ever done it once ever. So this would be his first. Well, because if you wanted to invite, because I've known you since we were like babies. Mm. If you wanted to invite one of your friends to the group, I'd take your word for it. But at the time, because it was a friend of Ryan's who I had only known for about two years because yeah. I worked with him, I was like, I don't know, this guy could be like anybody. So yeah, I did once do an interview. But looking back on it, it's a little bit cringe that I did that. Um, yeah, but that was the birth of our group. Yeah, it was. It so that's kind of, that's fine. It was kind of funny because, yeah, that game, I got so many people interested in it that I never thought I would because I just put out a group email to work and I was like, look, I'm running this game, Call of Cthulhu, does anyone Well, you had to um, cancel it because you had too many people. Yeah, and um, I didn't want to say, no, you're not invited. So I just cancelled it then messaged all of you lot privately like, yeah, do you want to join this? <laughs> yeah. uh, Banjo, he says, just one more rape? No more rape. Okay. Um... <laughs> He's got quite a complicated question, but this will be the one that we use to wrap up the show. I know we've been going long, dear listener, but he says, has the Forgotten Realms become one big furry convention with all the monsters that are now player races? Yes. I mean, I spoke about that earlier, that game we played where everyone was playing monsters, and yeah. it just was it was confusing. It was ridiculous. Nobody was a bad guy anymore. That, that it really... You do want some separation of it, you know? Yeah. Like, because otherwise it's just going to be like... You, if you're actually playing in one of those games where everyone could play everyone, then realistically, at least I would be like, there's an altercation happening, but then you'd be like, yeah, but what's the root cause? Like, are you actually evil? Let's talk this out. And then it's kind of, it's just going to be um, a game about dialogue. Talking about your feelings. And it's also going to be a lot of uh, uh, like politics involved as well. I totally. Feel. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, I think it makes it a little bit boring. It, it also destroys some of the wonder from the game of seeing yeah. things and thinking, oh my need, God, what is that yeah. going to do? Yeah, well, you need to see like this absolute disgusting creature like leeching out of something, destroying stuff. And no, yes, we need to stop it. Because yeah, in those yeah, situations, yeah. like when it's happening, it's like, oh, maybe you just need that's a breath what, of fresh air. That's what I like about fantasy is the... Sometimes, you know, you you do like to have, like, grey areas morally and stuff like this. Oh, but yeah. what I like about fantasy is that clear delineation between good and evil. I mean, mm. it comes from fairy stories, right? So yeah. it's like, it's, some, it's good just to have a world where that exists, you know what I mean? But there we go. But apparently we can't do that anymore. He also f- follows up, will there be a point sometime soon where there are more independent RPG publishers of online content than there are actual RPG players? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I know so many people that write modules but only play once every six months. Yep, yep. Avengers Satanus is a good example. He plays maybe, you know, twice, three times a year and he puts out content like nobody's business. Um, he says, once the original creator of a founder of a company or product dies or leaves the company, should the company have to change the name of the product or company? I.e. Gary Gygax was forced out of TSR, but they got to keep Dungeons & Dragons, the game he created. And now it's in the hands of people who had nothing to do with it at all. Or Walt Disney has been dead for decades, but Disney still exists and Mickey Mouse has his other creations as... What? And Mickey Mouse and his other creations are not public domain and probably will ne- never will be. Well, I think... Um, it- it's kind of they built up a brand name basically so yeah yeah i mean it's the company's property now yeah and it's like as long as the company don't shit on it 
then they should be allowed to. I wouldn't say entitled to, but should but be. But the allowed. trouble is, the, the once once it becomes a game designed by a committee rather than a single person, that's when it loses all its character. I mean, I've got that book that my mum got me, the uh, Art and Arcana for D and D, and you look at the amount of heart and soul in the original artwork versus what it is now. Mm. You couldn't tell one artist from the next in a D and D book because they all paint that very exact same way, and it's like lost a lot of the character and the uh, the magic of it. I think, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I would I would prefer it not to be the case, but if a company buys it, then they own the shit, right? Yeah, that's just how it works. So one time, some at some point, when we get bought out by Virgin or whatever, yeah. right, and then they're doing Jim Bim Salabim, of course it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. They're not going to really like it. Um, it's, it probably won't even be British. Be but. mean. <laughs> no, it won't. Um, yeah, so that is the answer. To all of your problems. He's got one more question. He says, have you ever found a way to make languages interesting in gameplay, like your elf knowing goblin helping in some way? Um, we have. Um, I think there's quite a few times where it's entertaining to try and force a player at a table to... Roleplay a fake language. Yeah, to roleplay a fake language. And then, you know, as long as... Because, you know, it's not always up to... It's definitely not up to the GM to remember everything. It's always down to the players to help everyone to help each other. And be like, oh, yeah, I know how to speak in this language. Can I try and use that? And then a lot of the time we do just roll it, but it, we have a few times, like, forcibly saying, all right, do it in character. When you played a half-walk um, in Pathfinder and you, you were just like... <laughs> oh, that was really fun. And, it's like, and was, that basically translates to hello. Yeah, that was quite fun. Like a little comedic. I don't know if that's there. interesting more than it is stupid, but I find DCC. I've had more interesting use of languages than any other game, based solely on the fact that because it's often like now pick another language, your character creation, and yes, they get really choice. weird. Like yeah, like Pixie is one of them, isn't it? Pixie that actually came up in the actual play, mm. and there was another time uh, on a non-recorded thing on a, uh, where somebody spoke spider. Ugh. and spoke to one of the spiders and got him to fuck off. He was like, hey, it's cool, man. Sorry about that. I thought you was going to kill me. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it, I, uh, language is a thing where it's, I don't know, it just almost never is actually that fun, but it, I guess it can be useful. It can be. Well, I mean, we had recently with the bloody cyberpunk campaign because yeah. Sledge speaks Spanish, um, and he tried, to, he tried to roll Spanish to help talk to these... Uh, a biker gang that were Mexicans and he runs in rolls a fail on it and just hits his knee and he goes no hablo es ah <laughs> oh, fuck <laughs> yeah <laughs> I can't believe you've done this <laughs> right anyway that is it for your questions thank you so much for um, such well very interesting fun questions this time yeah thanks a change and thank you for tuning in thank you for tuning in you have been listening to the sounds of the 3T RPG podcast and of course, uh, well, I figured we'd do something a bit different this time. James, do you want to plug your music? I know uh, you haven't updated it in ages, but some of the tunes on there are very good. Which one? Jack Me Laser. Oh, yeah. Yeah, check that out. Just uh, type that into Google, Jack Me Laser, as one word. And, and you'll then, find uh, his SoundCloud. There's some stuff. really good tunes on there. So, I think the one you've got to listen to is The Storm. <laughs> it's so, I'm going to use it as the outro to this episode, but it is it's such a banger of a tune, and it's like <laughs> it was an old ch- song that um, me and some uh, old friends in college days made together. Now, bear in mind when you listen to it that James was told that it was going to be like a really aggressive song, and he recorded yeah. his vocals separately to everyone else. 
Yeah, so we wrote them all separately, um, but they failed to explain like the context behind it. They they just went, it's a really hype song, and they generally those hype songs you just bad mouth and you're just an aggressive dick, and that's it. So you went full like Takashi six nine on that shit, and it's uh, it's very amusing because the other two are very laid back stoner types. I think we can say. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Um, that is it. Um, also, yeah, check out three T RPG RPG publishing on. Drive through, drive through RPG, and of course, if you want to submit questions, you go to the uh, to the Discord. The link in the description, and also incoming soon on uh, the platforms as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. Um, uh, alternatively, um, you know, you can go to just type in discord.gg forward slash four e b u. Fucking hell, no. <laughs> <laughs> I've been Harrison Hunt. I've been James Clark. And this is the end of life as we know it. All right. Remember. That was good, good, I think. Right. This is Harrison here, just coming in after the intro, just to say that I couldn't actually track down that strange rap song James had made. Um, So... Uh, I was going to do like an impression of it from memory, but you really do have to hear the original because it's it's fucking amazing. Um, also, I couldn't be bothered to go and get my microphone out, so if it sounds bad, it's well, it's your fault, isn't it? So uh, 